Hey, Cammy. Hey, Bryant. What do Robin Hood, Vlad the Impaler, and Mothman have in common? IDK, what? Well, they're all topics on our podcast, Mystery, where each week we discuss a new myth and the history behind it. That's Myth Story with an I-E. See you then. everybody and welcome to will this be on the test i'm maddie i'm austin and we're here today to talk about some things you should have learned in school but didn't learn didn't learn fully or didn't learn correctly and sometimes we like to talk about um how i cannot stop laughing at ben shapiro oh god man our neighbors like right when we started recording they all decided to start being loud i don't know if you guys can hear them but we've got somebody who just started weed whacking the moment i hit record and there's a dog barking it's the perils of uh, recording in an office, I guess. It's the, it's the suburbs. I mean, people don't talk about the real, very real problems that happen in the suburbs. The very that, real problems of minor noise pollution. It's it's a daily struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although we actually did, a few nights ago, hear screaming outside. So being me, my reaction is, go outside and make sure nobody's being murdered. They were playing a game. <laughs> yeah, it turned out they were playing a game. They uh, looked like they were having like a dance party in their garage. But apparently my fight or flight reaction is fight like all the time. That's just, you know, what I do. Back to Ben Shapiro. <laughs> um, we shared something on my Twitter, on our Twitter account. I believe that the person who originally tweeted it was Soprano No, something like that. You'll see it on our Twitter account. And she said... Uh, everybody's up in arms about WAP, WAP. I don't know how, they're, I've, I've, how I've the kids it, are saying it. I've heard it as WAP and WAP. As if Mozart didn't write a song called Lick My Ass. <laughs> so if you look back at episode five, Austin will do a dramatic reading of the lyrics for you from that song. And I am much less terrified reading Lick My Ass than um, Ben Shapiro was reading What Ass P Word. He was so scared. And his wife sitting there and saying, oh, that's not normal. I, these are my various diagnoses. So I looked her up. She is a family practice doctor, which is basically a GP. Now, I'm not saying GPs don't know anything about this area of the female body. But I am saying that they are not specialists in this. And if you came in saying, I'm having this kind of issue, they'd say, okay, go to a gynecologist. And all of the diagnoses she listed out have other symptoms besides wetness. Like, that's not our topic today. <laughs> no, I just, but... I, just want, I just want to make fun of him. Especially the best tweet I've seen about this was someone simply going, Borat voice, a dry wife. <laughs> See, and I'm over here being a teacher like, okay, kids, if you're vaginal area is wet it does not mean something is wrong with you because they actually never taught us that in special in a uh, sexual sex ed that's something that kids should know is that ben shapiro is wrong okay uh, not just about this ben shapiro about is most just wrong. things except I'm, for probably his name <laughs> probably i don't think it's it might not actually even be ben who knows he's lied about everything else mm -hmm. also uh, she may be here to educate you. I am here just to school Ben Shapiro because he is human garbage and is just mockably stupid. And I'm here to say, kids, if, if, if unless it burns or itches or hurts in some way, it's probably fine. If it does do those things, ask your parents to go to the doctor or, you know, talk to your school nurse or somebody. And um, just if you're Ben Shapiro... There's nothing I can say to you that's more insulting than the things you said about yourself. So, yeah, I saw I saw a tweet that was uh, the only time there's a wet ass pussy in Ben Shapiro's house is when Ben Shapiro is taking a shower. 
Oh, it's a burn. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, it's been. It's been. I was going there in my brain. I, it's, this week has been, I don't know, the news has been crazy. And, okay, Congress, we need to have a talk. Oh, they're actually coming back into session. Thank They announced that today. God. Because I actually looked this up. I considered making this my topic this week. Decided not to. Glad I didn't now that they're going back into session. Yeah, Pelosi announced it today. The August break. I am going to talk about it a little bit. That's not my topic. The August break is actually a tradition based from the time before there was air conditioning in the congressional chambers. They took a break in August because people were literally fainting on the Congress floor. It was too hot to actually get any work done. In the 1970s, I believe it was, they put through an act saying that they can take this break in August. It does not mandate this break in August, and they have canceled it twice before, once after Hurricane Katrina, and once when they were debating the Clinton Health Care Act. So them even considering taking this break in the middle of coronavirus, in the middle of a postal service takeover, in the middle of police state happening in protests, which is still happening. It's still a thing, but just it's, the news has moved on. It's unacceptable that they even took a couple of days off. But it is also an election year. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. They got campaigning to do. Well, it's like the Democrats went on break first. Like, because that's the House. The House is like, peace out, we're done. And I'm like, excuse me. You are trying to get Biden elected right now. And you're trying to, and you are claiming you're trying to save us right now. But you're like, vacation time. You know what? I'm going to give it to them because no matter what they do, there's no movement in the Senate even possible at this point with Mitch Connell in charge. Mm -hmm. Even if they were in session, nothing's getting past the Senate anyway. Yeah, everything's a hot mess right now. And then Trump's executive orders are just kind of a fascinating topic. I actually really encourage you to research whether or not he can do this. And I mean, the real thing is Congress actually has to do something to stop him. But the only one he might be able to do in a normal world is the student loans one. The rest of it, anything financial on a large scale has to be approved by Congress. And so, yeah, the world's on fire. Everything's on fire. And we're all sitting here trying to pretend it's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Has anything fun happened this week? We just went over the most fun thing that's happened in this entirety of 2020. I know. It's been kind of a blah week around the uh, Maddie Austin house happening. Yeah. It's like nothing noteworthy. Mm -hmm. I walked five miles without realizing it at one point. So that's about it. Draco fell off a shelf last week. Our lives are thrilling, and this is the quality content you come here yeah. for. Well, we uh, the, the we had adequate rainfall, and I did not have to water the garden further. <laughs> I, I say we just crack into it. Let's go. Let's go. So I am actually sticking with being educational this week. I am, like, this is a real, like, what things are and what to do about them in a classroom kind of situation. Are you ready? I'm ready. So my sources... Purdue's Online Writing Lab, Creative Copywriting, that's creative with a K, HubSpot, Wikipedia, Logically Fallacious, Texas State University, Excelsior, Texas State University, Excelsior Online Writing Lab, Scientific American, WFAE, SoftSchools.com, Behavioral Economics, Forbes, American Public Health Association, A Believing Scientist, and Effectiveology. So. Okay, why, why do people keep selling, spelling C words with a K? Didn't we just learn that that's a bad idea a while ago? I remember my favorite books when I was a kid were the Babysitter's Club Little Sister books. And mm-hmm. the main character's name was Karen. And if you've read the books, you know she grew up to be a Karen. She was playing on her sister's cro- uh, softball team, Christie's Crushers, which are both spelled with a K. And she refused to have a uniform that was spelled incorrectly. <laughs> so they had to make Karen... A special uniform that said Christie's Crushers with a C. And that is 
the most evidence that she grew up to be a Karen and not just named Karen. Yeah. Okay, I've seen you refuse to wear something because there's a typo on it. Yes, but I won't demand that they make a special one for me. Okay. Just like, you lose a lot of credibility with me if you're trying to sell me something and you have misspellings in it, unless it's a second language translation situation, which is pretty obvious most of the time, and then we're cool. All right. Oh, like that whiteboard that was saying it doesn't have any ghosts? Yes, this whiteboard with no ghosts, and they were like really proud of the fact that there were this was not a haunted whiteboard. And I finally managed to sift through it and figure out that they meant that when you wiped it off, it wiped off clean and they didn't have the remnants of the dry erase on it even after 60 days. But I, I feel like it was just bad marketing because if they said like whiteboard with ghosts, we would have seven now. We would. Yes. If you are on the internet, which clearly you are, if you're listening to us, you've seen people arguing, especially right now as we approach an election or in a thousand national crises and everyone just wants to be right. That's all people want is to be right. And when we're lucky, we get to see these well-reasoned arguments. Here are my sources. Here's what's going on. And, you know, I've looked at both sources from left and right, or I'm looking at strictly sources from the center, which is like Reuters and AP and NPR. NPR is like, NPR is interesting, actually. If you look at the media bias list, NPR is on there twice. They're once in the middle for their news, and then they're slightly to the left for their opinion. So it's on there twice, actually, because they are two separate things, and they're clearly labeled. However, we frequently see arguments that are just for the sake of arguing or make no sense. Yes, yes, we do. So I'm going to be talking about logical fallacies today. Ooh, fallacies. Purdue, you get one more, and that's it. I'll use it wisely. Purdue's writing lab, which, okay, if you're a student, Purdue's online writing lab. It's Purdue OWL. It is the best source if you're trying to figure out how to use MLA, APA, AP style, things like that. It will show you how to make the citations, how to do the in-text. Use them a lot if you're writing a paper. They define a fallacy as, quote, common errors in reasoning that will undermine the logic of your argument. So basically, if you're trying to convince someone of something, you need to not make these errors or anything else you say, no matter how well-reasoned it is, will be considered nonsense. So if you start off with logical fallacies or even if you throw one in somewhere in it, the rest of what you say is invalidated. You look like an idiot for the rest of it. These are important to know about, not just for ridiculous internet arguments, but for writing papers or if you're you're in a debate class or something like that. As a teacher, I saw many of them in papers and as a debater back in high school, so I'm sure it shocks all of you that I was on the debate team. What? You're you're loud and talk? What? what? No, you would never debate. (laughs) I only stayed on it for two years (laughs) because we didn't win enough. And I'm a winner, damn it. It's true. And I saw her like walk into a classroom and just slap a can of Coke out of kids' hands and says, Coke is for winners, Darren. (laughs) And then you stormed out. I don't think I've ever met a person named Darren. I know. I just tried to make a name. Oh, no, no, I have. I've met one Darren, but it was spelled in an atypical way. Yeah, this was, there was no one actually named Darren. I'm protecting the innocent. I ran in, I ran into Darren Chris, just knocked his soda out of his hand. It's like, soda's for winners, Darren Chris. Darren Chris is a winner. I would love to hang out with him. Darren Chris, if you actually ever listen to us, reach out. We'd we, love to have you on. We want to hang. And that I scrolled accidentally. I'm finding where I was. <laughs> you want me to keep vamping? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. So, but as a debater, I heard a lot of logical fallacies coming from my opposing side. And in some cases from my debate team member, which 
as you might imagine, did not go over well with me. And also don't insult your opposing team because the judge can hear you. And then the judge can hear me telling you that you are a racist piece of crap. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. He was an asshole. Probably still is. So the fact is, unless your teacher or your debate judge is a dummy, one logical fallacy can destroy the entire argument in your paper or in your debate because it makes you an unreliable narrator. You need to be the one that they can trust. The only time it's okay to use them is if you are using them to prove a point, making it clear that you understand this is a logical fallacy. So that would be a some people might say kind of situation, in which case then you follow up with, but that's a logical fallacy, or they are wrong because here's some actual sources. So there are a ton of different types of logical fallacies. I started on Wikipedia, as you often do. They probably had over 100. I've seen them also named a ton of different things, different points. I'm going to dig into just a few, but I wanted to name some of the other ones first and give a quick definition because these are all important kids. So one, appeal to ignorance. uh, Saying what you're claiming is true because no one has disproven it. So you're, you're Plato. It's like, I'm wearing my Mothman hoodie right now. I believe in Mothman. Mothman's my boyfriend. But I can't say that he exists in a completely factual way because that would be, the, the most I can say is, I mean, nobody's proven he doesn't exist. But for me to make a declarative statement that Mothman exists, period, end of story, and actually mean it, that would be an appeal to ignorance. Two, appeal to pity or victimhood, which aren't quite the same thing, but they're close enough that I put them together. Basically, it's saying that because someone is in a bad situation, they can't be held accountable for what happened. You know, if somebody comes from an abusive household and then they go and kill somebody, it would be a appeal to pity fallacy to say, well, they came from a bad household, so them killing somebody is not their fault. Now, there are times where that is kind of true, but typically it's not. Bandwagon or ad populum, which is the idea that because most people do or believe something, it must be true. This is a big one. When you are writing a paper or in a debate, do not ever say as everyone knows because your reader might not know and now you've called them an idiot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know lots of things. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I'm an idiot. Like, and it could be something that is common knowledge, but there could be, you could get that one reader or one debate judge who has no idea about this. So don't do an as everyone knows. Burden of proof. This is simple. Burden of proof in a courtroom lies on the prosecution, not the defendant, the one who is making the accusation. So if you are making a claim in an argument, you cannot tell the other people to go research it. It is your job to do the research for them. You are the prosecution, they are the defense. Circular argument or begging the question. Beginning with the idea that your assumption is true, therefore something else is the logical conclusion. And you circle back to your original assumption as the argument to prove the second part. This is usually opinion based. So it's something, and it's often moral. Not always, but often. So like, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a good man and I've never smoked. So I clearly smoking is for bad people. Yeah. There's also another argument that's kind of like that, which uh, yeah. is coming up. I have a qu- it's actually the next one. Yay. I can read the. F- kind Well, kind of. <gasps> um, kind of. I think we've just proven no. that I can tell the future. You can't prove otherwise. It's kind of, kind of that. This is equivocation or ambiguity. Using a word with multiple meanings to try to defend your point. A common one is right, meaning something you're allowed to do. It is my right to carry a gun. And then saying, therefore, it is right for me to carry a gun. So it is my right to do something, therefore, it is right to do something. That's a common one, but you hear it with pretty much any word that has multiple meanings. False dilemma or false dichotomy. Creates an either-or situation where there isn't one. There is at least one other factual possibility. 
Genetic fallacy. Genetic fallacy? Yeah, this one's I actually think really, it's a really important one. And it's one that is especially important when you're looking at politics. It's taking what something used to mean and insisting it means the same thing now. Oh, kind of like saying, it's all right if I call something gay, it means happy. That's exactly the, the example I have in here. That was something that my students often tried to use with me. Well, gay means happy. Well, then why did you use it to say something was stupid? Um, um, uh, yeah. yeah, don't call things gay unless you're actually saying like, this is my friend who is gay. And then don't even introduce your friend like that because that's douchey. Uh, moral equivalence. You'll hear this one a lot too. The idea that two drastically different things are equally bad or good, like saying the people who won't let you use your expired coupon are just as bad as the Nazis. The Nazis would never let me make have this kind of savings on shaving cream. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear this one used a lot against store workers who are like, look, I'm just following policy. I have to do this. Like, well, that's what the Nazis said, too. Yeah, um, the Nazis were killing people. They just won't give you 20% off of something because it's not worth losing their job. 10. Personal incredulity. The idea that because you haven't experienced something or because you don't believe something, it can't be true. Yeah, you see that one a lot in mm-hmm. politics. Mm-hmm. This could also be combined with the idea that an anecdote is evidence. Now, anecdotal evidence is great to back up arguments where you're like, you know, 75% of people do this. And here is a story that goes along with that. That's fine. But saying, here's a story that proves the point and no, nothing else. Nope. They use that a lot for like selling alternative medicines because you can't like prove, you can't disprove a personal account and those are allowable. So like someone said, yeah, I absolutely lost weight because I taped a quartz crystal to my armpit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, you can't. It's like, that's allowable in advertisement because mm-hmm. it's a personal account. Uh, and then this one was interesting. It's kind of a new one. Pers- uh, political incorrectness fallacy. Because something is politically incorrect, it must be false or ignored. The example I could think of was when we're talking about spousal abuse, it's not okay to talk about men experiencing it because it's really just about women. Or like, um, yeah. Yeah, so... I'm trying to think of other examples that are just... There's a lot of them, lot and of I them. just didn't want to get into them. Oh, yeah, they're all... Like, uh, they're all stuff that goes beyond speech. what we're willing to talk about yeah. on our podcast. But, yeah, because something is politically incorrect, it has to be false or it has to be ignored. That is not true, children. Political correctness and truth are not mutually exclusive. Slippery slope, the idea that one thing will lead to a hyperbolic conclusion, like gay marriage will result in people marrying their dogs. What? That's crazy. Weddings are expensive and your dog's family is not going to chip in. No, they're not. They're absolutely not. It's like, they don't have any money unless they're like actor dogs. And then like, come on. I mean, you don't want to marry an actor dog's family. Now, there are legitimate times to use slippery slope arguments where it is a logical step. And then there is precedent that shows these are the logical steps. You don't go from step A to step Z, though. You say like, well, for me, it's schools will reopen. Kids will get sick. Teachers will get sick. Therefore, teachers and kids will die because we know COVID is fatal. It is a slippery slope from opening schools to death. Yes. But if I said, well, if we open if we open schools during COVID, then all the schools are going to blow up. That would be a slippery slope that doesn't make any sense and should not be used. I mean, eventually the sun is going to expand and encompass the earth. So mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. right. Slothful induction. <laughs> okay, I got to hear what this one is. This is... Deciding something is true or will happen despite overwhelming actual hard evidence to the contrary. <laughs> That is probably one of the most common things we ever see. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, vaccines cause autism. No, they don't. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure they do. It's like, no, here's 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 17 studies. 
But yeah, and slothful induction basically means you're too lazy to check to ch- to check that your facts are true. But I saw that Karen posted this on Facebook, so it has to be true. And then the last one I'm not going to dive too far into is tu quoque, which is pronounced correctly. I put down a pronunciation guide. It looks like that. Yep. Tu quoque. Yeah. Okay. That, the internet told me it was qui. Okay. The idea that, so, uh, this is this is the one I was thinking of. The idea that someone has at some point said or done something contrary to their current argument, rendering their argument invalid. So basically, let's say that you're an adult. And when you were in high school, you used to use the word gay as an insult. Well, now you're an adult. You don't use that anymore. And you actively say, that's not a good word to use. And you're actively fighting for gay rights. But then there's always that person from high school who's like, you're such a hypocrite because you used to say gay when you were 15. It's like, yeah, and I also used to play Magic the Gathering. But hey, look at me now. Yeah. And we see this used against politicians a lot because, you know, in the 1970s, you voted this way. Well, you learn better, you do better. That's what we're, ho- that's what humans should hope to do. So let's get into the big ones now. Ad hominem. Ad hominem is sadly one of the most common ones you'll see on the internet. It's basically attacking the person who is making the argument against you rather than attacking the argument itself. Or as I like to call it, being a dick because you know you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, I actually encountered this one a couple of months ago. Dude was trying to convince me about something and he was using a court case I knew about to uh, prove his point. I did some digging to make sure I actually did understand and remember the court case, which I did, because if he'd been right, I would have conceded the point. Well, I pointed out specific parts of this court case and it was like, look, this is why you're wrong. This is from the majority opinion on your court case. This is, And he kept saying, clearly you're illiterate. Clearly you don't understand things. Clearly you don't, you, clearly you're stupid. And I was like, I'm quoting actual parts from the court case you are trying to use. I actually managed to stay calm and I wanted to insult his mother during this because obviously his mother raised him to be this way. But instead I said, you know, it's clear that you're not going to change your mind, but I was curious to know why you're choosing to make personal attacks against my abilities when I'm showing you some evidence. Could you explain this to me? And then I just couldn't help myself and I added, I'm sorry someone in your past taught you this was the right way to treat people. He did not respond. So why is this a bad type of fallacy should be obvious. You're insulting the person you're trying to convince. If you're writing a paper in school, let's say Shakespeare shouldn't be taught anymore and anybody who disagrees with me is an elitist. Well, you've insulted someone who is possibly your reader. And even if your reader isn't insulted, they could be insulted by proxy because they know someone else who is not an elitist, but who really loves Shakespeare. There really isn't a way to undo this once it's been done. Even if you apologize, they're never going to forget that you insulted them. And it's also, you can see why this one is so incredibly fucking common on the internet. It's because everything is in almost pure pure anonymity. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can talk good today. So when you're writing a paper or when you're in a debate class, a debate round, just don't do it. It's not hard to not do it. And then appeal to authority is my next one. This is incredibly, incredibly common. People say experts state. And if they cite their sources and the person is actually an expert, this is not an appeal to authority fallacy. However, if they say experts state and then don't cite their sources, or if they, even if they name, well, you know, Dr. Bob Smith says this, but they don't provide a link to prove it, that is an appeal to authority fallacy saying authority figures are backing me up here. A really good example is the current J.K. Rowling manifesto, essay, not manifesto, essay against trans women and why they aren't women. She kept saying it at experts I've talked to, scientists I've talked to. 
She never actually really named them. And if she, even if she did, she never cited her sources. The first time she did that, I went, yep, she's wrong. Not because necessarily that maybe these experts did say this to her. But when you're just saying experts say, I'm not going to believe you. Yeah. You got you to gotta back it up. But she wrote in 4,000 words, she couldn't, you know, provide a link to a source. What the fuck? It's like, come on, not even like parenthetical references. It's like, even if I disagree with you on principle, which I do, J.K. Rowling, and I'm sure you're listening right now, and I'm sure you're taking this to heart, even if I agreed with you, which I don't, I would not back up or use you as a source because you are not citing your sources and you look like the idiot. And I assume that you're a big fat liar. Thankfully, this one is easy to avoid. If you are writing expert say in a paper or if you're saying that in a debate, you will lose points without your citation. However, if you say something like, according to Dr. Bob Smith of XYZ Medical Center in an interview with the New York Times, you're fine. Provide a link, you're good to go. You have avoided the appeal to authority fallacy by actually appealing to authority. Good job. Now, this one has a few different names. This is uh, the causal fallacy, the correlation, correlation versus causation fallacy, or the post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy, or just the post hoc fallacy. Oh, I love post hoc ergo ergo proxy hoc. Yeah, I can't talk today. I'm I'm just gonna. Shut I'm up. so glad that you're podcasting when you can't speak. Me too. This is gonna be a joy to edit. <laughs> so you've probably heard that correlation doesn't equal causation. This is extremely true, but the waters can be murky. It's the idea that something happened, then something else happened, so the first thing caused the second thing. Now, obviously, some things cause other things. So, like, if I punched Austin in the face right now, his glasses would break. That is causation. My fist in his face caused his glasses to break. There is no correlation, just causation. But you could also, I guess if you're making the, the logical fallacy argument, you could argue that actually... No, it was podcasting about correlation Mm -hmm. is not causation that caused my glasses to break, not being punched in the face. Mm -hmm. But we're seeing a lot of correlation versus causation things right now with COVID. For instance, it was observed that kids weren't getting COVID, so it was widely published that kids are not susceptible. However, the fact that kids were in more isolation than adults was seemingly not factored in. In, and we're seeing the fallout from that right now because at the end of summer, they're like, okay, they don't get it. Re- reopen summer camps. The correlation was kids aren't getting it because they're not. Um, and the cor- they were correlating it with kids are less susceptible when it's actually the causation was that they weren't seeing other people. Now that schools are reopening, we are seeing that that was in fact not true. They may not get it as bad in many t- cases, but they are getting it at a relatively high rate and passing it on to their teachers who are then yep. going to die. Yep. Uh, kids spread it just as easily as adults do. In so. some cases more, it's starting to look like. Yeah, because kids don't wash their hands and they breathe on everything. They sneeze on your eyeballs. It's like, I have, in my experience at the library, seen a child put everything in the building in their mouth at some point. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really an awkward day when they put your face in their mouth. Actually, that did happen. A kid, <laughs> no. I was, I was at the desk, and a kid just kind of, like, flopped forward, like, onto my head and just drooled all over my oh, head. Oh, oh. It was like it was like a it was like a squirmy baby and it was just kind of like a I got away from mom drool. moment. Can't handle drool. It was everybody laughed at me, including the mom. I didn't laugh so much, but you know, you can't get mad at a toddler. Now, correlation is important as long as the two things actually seem related. Like you can also put correlation charts about two obviously unrelated things like Nicolas Cage movies and earthquakes or some shit. But when the two things may actually be related, correlation tells scientists we need to study this. 
However, this is hard to do with COVID because you can't ethically expose someone, especially a child, to a virus. Another thing that is currently a correlation is actually the efficacy of masks. It is not necessarily a a causation. We have observed that places that mandate masks have lowering numbers of COVID. However, this is unlike actually exposing somebody. We can kind of test it by taking two places that are doing the same thing other than masks. So if we have a place that has no social distancing rules but masks and a place that has no social distancing rules or masks and compare their rates, that is a scientific way to kind of prove causation. We have to factor in anything else that's going on, like social distancing rules, whether what certain places can be open, things like that. You have to compare two things or more that are like for it to be causation. They will probably also be able to eventually prove causation through a combination of extensive studies in actual labs to try to like push different things of about the size of COVID through masks to see how far it travels. Uh, The only thing missing is putting people with COVID in a room with people who don't have COVID to see if the masks make a difference. Now, like I mentioned, this is an ethical question mark. When they're adults, they might be able to have them ethically sign off on this. These need to be adults who are otherwise, you know, healthy, mentally capable of agreeing to this. That actually might not be unethical as long as these people are volunteers, but that will not be ethical until we have a proven treatment for COVID so that if they catch it, they can be treated. So it's a whole thing. So avoid this in in debates and papers. Make sure that you have actual evidence from peer-reviewed sources that have large sample sizes. If you have a sample that has five people, it is not a good argument. All right, something might sound weird here, folks, because we had an audio drop for some unknown reason. So this is basically just me saying I'm talking about the sunk cost fallacy. Enjoy. This is one that I have seen everybody make. Now, you've talked about this uh, recently, actually, and I considered not diving into it because you talked about it recently. I think it was when I was talking about Ponzi schemes. Yeah, I think so. But I thought it was really important, so I wanted to dive into it more because it's actually, like, it matters on both a local and a national level and international level, too. This is basically the idea that you have to keep doing something because you've already put so much time, energy, and often money into it. This is how we end up with so many bad rules or reasonings behind things. I think we could also call it that the this is the way we've always done it fallacy. So for instance, on a small scale, let's say somebody bought a house. They sunk a lot of money into this house, improving it, making it a place they wanted to live. Then they get a job offer out of state. And this job offer is fantastic and it would improve their life in a lot of ways, but they turn down the job because of how much time, energy, and money they've spent on the house. I've already spent this much. I'm not jumping ship now. The common argument I've seen a lot is, let's say for instance, you're gambling and you're down $20 and you think, I can't stop now. I'm down $20. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the day, you're down $50. Mm-hmm. But we also, we see this on a larger scale. So if we take school policies... Here's a little one. I'm going to finish with a big one. Little one. We always wrote in cursive. My kids aren't learning cursive now. Why aren't they learning cursive? Now, these could be parents and grandparents who, like me, resented learning cursive and they're pissed that they had to and their kids don't. Now, my reason is that I have really poor fine motor skills and I had so many A papers that were Bs or Cs because of my handwriting alone. They should be graded separately if you're doing this still teachers. Or it could be that they think it's really important because of the historical significance or because kids need to make their signature, blah, blah, blah. It's like, how else are they going to sign checks? What's a check? It's a person from the Czech Republic. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I don't know why we're signing them. (laughs) Well, I mean, they are excellent 
basketball players? I don't know. We're signing them to teams. Oh, that's, no, the, that's the joke I'm making. Maybe they're, maybe they're deaf and we're communicating via sign language. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Now, you don't need to have years and years of cursive to learn how to sign your name. You don't. That's like two weeks of cursive. All right, good. You're good to go. And, you know, some kids do still learn cursive in school, but that's the sunk cost fallacy at a small, small scale is we've always taught cursive, therefore we need to keep teaching cursive, when in fact, the ability to type has superseded both that and regular printed handwriting. Now, on a larger level in the school system, Common Core. Common Core, I believe, it's kind of hard to tell, but I believe it's technically dead. Technically, it doesn't exist anymore, but it still exists just under fancy names and a couple of changed words. Common Core was not supposed to be teached to the test, but that's what it turned into being. Every state takes similar tests to compare the, the states against each other and see how they are faring. Well, if you're a parent, you know that your kid comes home exhausted for at least one full month spread out throughout the school year because all day was standardized testing. This means Common Core still exists even if your school district says it doesn't because we have spent so much time and energy and money training teachers on how to use the Common Core method that we do not want to undo that work, which is insane considering the number of policies that schools implement and take away and implement and take away and implement and take away. This is the one that they're, you know, dying on this hill for. Yeah. Now, Common Core was supposed to be make sure everybody's learning the same thing, which is not a bad idea at its heart. It's like, you know, in first grade, you learn this about history. In second grade, you learn this about history. I mean, that's kind of why I'm fucked up with history is because I learned the same thing over and over and never learned other important things. Yes. But I mean, I read To Kill a Mockingbird three times because I moved. I mean, I, th I think I've read it like more than that. No, this is enforced reading, not because oh, I feel like reading? reading it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind then. It's like, it's a good idea that was implemented so poorly that we should all be ashamed of ourselves. So how to avoid this? How to avoid the sunk cost fallacy? Cut your losses and run. So you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. And know, and know when, when to, to run. run. Yes. Oh, also, this goes for relationships. If your significant other is a dick, it does not matter that you've been with them for 10 years. Just leave. You deserve better. The amount of time you've spent in this relationship does not mean you have to stay. <laughs> the only thing, only relationship you're really obligated to stay in is, you know, if you popped out a kid. Because legally, they're your responsibility. Just be willing to learn and listen and change accordingly. The hasty generalization fallacy. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> Hasty. Oh, this one. Okay. Yeah, this one. Th I can see how this one could get bad. It's basically when you take a small sample size or a skewed statistic and use it to prove that something is true. An example from the website Logically Fallacious is that four out of five dentists recommend a toothpaste, which makes you think, that's awesome. 80% of dentists think this is good. But what if they only asked five dentists? <laughs> that is a, gen a hasty generalization. If they surveyed 10,000 dentists and found 8,000 of them recommend this, that is not a hasty generalization because that's a substantial number of dentists. But five dentists do not represent the whole. Or maybe it was just a company called four out of five dentists. That's true. It's, oh my God. I think I just figured out how we're going to make a lot of money. I'm going to start a company that's going to be like four out of five doctors and we're just going to like start endorsing every crystal, <laughs> every supplement. Oh, we'd get sued so fast. Um, our company name is four out of five doctors and we approve this. <laughs> um, and this, but that's kind of a funny example. It's actually got some really bad consequences. Take hydroxychloroquine. Oh, no, please don't take hydroxychloroquine. Exactly. 
Doctors in China and France. I actually was trying to figure out why this fucking started, and it's actually really hard to find. Uh, some doctors in China and France saw some improvement in patients when they used it, often in combination with other things, to treat COVID. And so they hastily announced that this is a great treatment. But it turned out these sample sizes were so small that this could not be, this is more of a correlation than a causation. And the French study was actually like the, um, like the autism study was deemed not acceptable. Yeah. Cause didn't they like ignore some re- some samples? It's like, well, they were already dying anyway, so we're not going to count them. Well, all I could find was that the peer review board, whatever was doing that said that it did not meet their standards. And by then people had already taken it to heart and fell victim to the hasty generalization that hydro- hydroxychloroquine works. This is not just a now issue with this one thing. It's an ongoing issue. So for instance, a fact from the ACLU, black people are four times more likely to be arrested on marijuana charges and six times more likely to be incarcerated for drug-related offenses than white people. The hasty generalization is, therefore, black people must be bigger drug users than white people, right? We hear this a lot. Well, yes. they're in jail so much and they do, they're do they arrested for drugs so oh much, they must do it more. Yeah. In fact, and I looked at several statistics, but I'm just going to go with the one from ACLU. Black and white people use drugs at the same rate. And white people, when they are arrested for it, which like I said, is four times less often than black people, they are more likely to be given like a fine and sent on their way. Now, obviously this isn't true if they're running like a major drug corporation or something, unless they're Martin Screlly, in which case it takes years. But <laughs> Oh, God. So the white people and black people use drugs at the same rate. Therefore, using this skewed statistic is also a hasty generalization fallacy. To avoid this in papers and debates, make sure anything you cite has a large sample size and doesn't have anything skewed. This might mean you have to look at several sources. It sucks. It takes time. Do it anyway. The red herring fallacy. I can't think of any fallacy, even ad hominem, that pisses me off more than this one. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. But what about the children? It's when some people introduce something irrelevant to an argument to change topics from the original issue. It is so named because a red herring is a dried red fish that smells real bad and it's used to distract hounds during a fox hunt. And like, this is a common thing that happens when you're like in an argument with your significant other, like all of a sudden they'll just pop up like, you know, you're arguing about how they did the dishes and it's like, well, yeah, but I'm also still mad at you for you not doing the laundry correctly. Now, like that's, that's a red herring, but at the same time, that's getting at your issues. So I'm not as worried about it in those instances. Well, maybe if you just put the knives and the spoons and the forks together in the little containers, this wouldn't be a problem. Wait, I'm the one that does that. You're the one that does that. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, have you ever noticed, folks out there, that the thing that people disagree about the most in a household, even more, even more than the thermostat, is how to do the dishes correctly? Like, you know, we all have our specific way that we were taught was the only way to do it, and they're all completely different. So my, like, one thing is there, you know, little sections in your silverware thing. Put the forks in a section, put the spoons in a section, put the knives in a section. It just makes it easier to grab and throw. And grab and throw, and Austin's like, free for all! It's madness reigns supreme. Thing is, I do the dishes most of the time, and he thinks he's helping, and so I try not to get mad about it, but oh boy. (laughs) Anyway, when it comes to actual debates of any sort, it makes you look like an asshole because you're trying to make someone else look like an asshole. And 
Very rarely does that work. You look like the asshole, not them. So let's say you make a Facebook post about the dangers of sending your kids back to school during COVID. Conversations are happening, some agreeing, some not, that's all fine. And then someone jumps in and says, why are you even talking about this? You clearly don't care about sex trafficking. It's not related. You can care about more than one thing at a time. You can also stay on fucking topic. Right now I'm talking about schools and COVID. At some other point, I might talk about sex trafficking, unless you can prove a causation or even a correlation between schools, COVID and sex trafficking, shut your mouth. No one is saying that sex trafficking is good except for sex traffickers. It's a shitty thing that shouldn't be happening. It is also not relevant to that argument. And we're seeing this used everywhere right now. Every And because of QAnon. But we're not going to... Oh, fun thing. Apparently Facebook's algorithms are more prone to uh, support QAnon conspiracy theories and Holocaust denial things than they are actual, like, truth stuff. Mm -hmm. So Facebook is awful. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling, like, even if you just say, yeah, I care about that, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. If you have something to add to this, add to that. Otherwise, you know, we can talk about this another time. But no, they don't want to stay on topic, either because this is something they really care about and they think everybody else should only be thinking about this, or because they just want to disagree with you so much that they're using it as a variation on ad hominem. But most disturbingly to me is that we see politicians doing this during debates, When they're asked a question and they don't know the answer, they won't admit they don't know, which I would have so much respect for. And I've talked about that before. Just say, I don't know. But when I am president, I will be surrounding myself with people who are much more knowledgeable than me. I would have so much respect for that person. But no, they just changed the topic. So what are you going to do about gun control? Well, I think the real issue we need to be focusing on right now is... Is mental health. Yeah, and... Yes, a lot of school shooters have mental health issues, and addressing mental health issues in the country will help this, but that has nothing to do with gun control. Other, unless you're starting to say, we need to talk about mental health and how it relates to being allowed to buy a gun. Like, you need to stay on fucking topic. It's not hard to stay on topic. Um, um, as, as we say from our podcast, where we go off on tangents every three minutes or so. Yes, but this is a podcast, and we never promise to stay on topic. Um, it is, I've been putting in an intro onto every episode, it's like, Will this be on the test? The, co- the podcast that stays the most on topic of any podcast. God damn it, Austin. I've I've made fools of us. <laughs> um, it's like, I really think moderators should be able to turn off their microphones when they do that. I feel like mo- moderators should just have an air horn. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. So much better. I mean, turning off the microphone, it's like, you know, it's like a little petty insult. But like the air horn, that is an auditory slap. Mm-hmm. Um, And then there is another definition of red herring, which I'm not going to get into too much, but it is a literary device. That means that something in a mystery novel usually seems to be relevant and actually isn't. It's to throw you off the scent as a reader. And it happens in actual criminal cases. They think something is relevant and it's not, and it can derail a criminal case. Sometimes it's purposeful. Usually it's not. So that's just life. So how to avoid this? Just stay on topic. It's not hard. And this is the last one that I'm going to talk about. Straw man fallacy. Oh, uh, this is this is this is a good one. I really liked the Excelsior online writing lab definition, so I'm quoting that. A straw man fallacy occurs when someone takes another person's argument or point, distorts it or exaggerates it in some kind of extreme way, and then attacks the extreme distortion as if that is really the claim the first person is making. So basically, they understand what the person is saying, but dislike the idea or the person so much that they turn it into a stupid ass personal attack. So basically, the, this is the uh, Fox News-like special. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, I had one happen when I made a Facebook post saying uh, it was a movie that was made from a book that I love. And I said, man, they left some stuff out that I was that was really important. So I think it really messed up the theme. They left, They forgot the theme of the story. And somebody came after me saying I was racist and didn't support black people in the arts because the characters were black. They took my, my thought of, man, I just didn't like this movie to mean you didn't like this movie. So that must mean that you're racist because there are black people in it. I'm like, no, they skipped most of the plot, added in stuff that never happened and ignored the theme that made the book important in the first place. And, I, and they made Oprah 50 feet tall. It's like the fact that the characters were black, I actually thought was great. And I thought that it was Ava DuVernay. The fact that Ava DuVernay got to direct, I thought that was great. I felt like they ignored the story and that bummed me out. And that was my only point. But they straw manned it to turn me into a racist. And I'm like, I actually thought the kids were great. Yeah. I thought the actors were fantastic, except for Oprah. And <laughs> that has nothing to do with, with her race. It's I don't like Oprah as an actor. And yeah, so that's, that is a straw man argument that I understand what you're saying, but it doesn't meet my standards. So I'm going to purposefully twist it. That is a straw man argument. Um, one that we see a lot right now is somebody says we should give $600 more for unemployment until COVID is over. To which people respond with, oh, so you think people should be rewarded for not having a job? So you want to destroy the economy and have nobody ever go back to work? I see how it is. It's like at no point did they say no one should go back to work. At no point did they say this should be permanent. At no point did they say, yes, destroy the economy. Yeah, it's like every that's, that's true. Everybody wants to destroy the economy. No one likes having things and money mm-hmm. and like, you know. For, I, for one, look forward to when we've got, like, roving street gangs in spiky cars and leather, like, leather S&M gear, like, rolling around trying to get gasoline. Mm-hmm. So I thought this would be a fun one to play a game with. I did warn him that I was going to put him on the spot during this. I'm going to make a statement. Okay. And I want you to straw man it. Okay. Now, I'm going to go with something light. I'm going to have you do this back at me and see if I can straw man on. what you're going to say. Go- I um, am going to stretch my improv muscles. Okay. <laughs> so I'm keeping mine light. You can make yours heavy if you want to. Okay. So this is my statement. I think they should fix that broken sidewalk by our house. Oh, so you think that we should be fixing sidewalks when we have those giant potholes on Main Street? I mean, I think we should fix the sidewalks. I didn't say anything about the potholes. I'm concerned about the We only have a certain amount of city budget to fix roads, and you want to fix waste it on sidewalks when our cars are falling into this pit? Yeah, but people need sidewalks. We're trying to become a more walkable city. That's part of our mission right now, and so I'm focusing on this right now. Oh, oh, so you think, are you saying that I am chunky and need to walk more? And that's how a straw man argument works. Yay! Oh, that was fun. Do you have one you want to try for me? Or... I'm afraid to with you because you can get mean. Do you think the Royals are going to make it to the Super Bowl this year? I know what I said. <laughs> Do you think the Royals are going to make it to the World Series this year? <laughs> Why are you so focused on the Royals making it to the World Series when we don't even have enough funding for our women's soccer team right now? Why are you only focused on male issues? Why do you think men matter more in the sports world? I just like Salvador Perez and think he's fun. (laughs) Oh, so because there aren't enough people who speak English as a second language in women's soccer, then you're not okay with it? Actually, I think there's quite a few women I think there is English. too. I'm there's just, a lot. I'm going with like full on straw man and uh, ignorance and every fallacy possible right now. You can't, right you can't now. see her right now, but as she spoke, her hair just turned into the Karen. <laughs> like it just, it just like pulled itself out of her butterfly clips. It just morphed itself. It was very scary. 
But yeah, so like Austin sitting here is making an innocuous question about whether or not this one sports team and then a straw man person would be like, why do you work? Why do you care about that when they're when women's sports are less funded? They're two separate issues. He could also care that women's sports are less funded. I, I do care, but we're talking baseball. Mm-hmm. Or I could have brought up, well, why do only men get to play on baseball teams? There actually isn't a rule against it. I, there was um, there was like an expedition game I where think. like I think that there might be. I don't know. But I know football. I don't think has a rule. I remember there was an ex- exhibition game where a, a female pitcher like struck out like Babe Ruth and a couple other big hitters, mm-hmm. and they got so mad that the teenage girl struck them out that they flat up refused to play any games with women in the future, mm-hmm. and that might be persisting till today, like a hundred years later. And then we've got like you know that girl Monet who made it onto the cover of Sports Illustrated when she was a kid for her little league game. I actually decided to look her up a while back by pure coincidence of this conversation, and I was actually really sad to see that she had to switch to softball. Like maybe she loves softball, maybe she's very happy, and I hope that's the case. But I remember thinking that girl could have been a major league baseball player. Yeah. And apparently she is an excellent softball player. But what if baseball was the thing she loved, and she feels like she can't do it, and that's very sad to me. It is very sad. That's way off topic, though. This is yeah. We uh, we we just red herringed our straw man. We did. You got red herrings in my straw men. That sounds disgusting. No part of this sounds tasty. It's no peanut butter and chocolate, I can tell you that. You got chocolate in my peanut butter. Well, you got red herring in my peanut butter. (laughs) Gross. That sounds like a dare that you'd do in middle school. We get a thousand five-star reviews on iTunes. I will eat sardines and peanut butter. Okay, okay, guys, tell your friends. Tell your friends to go... Rate, review, subscribe, five stars. If we get a thousand of them, I am holding him to this. I will videotape it for you. Or, you know, showing my age right there. I will stream it for you. We will we'll take we will get out our camcorder and we'll submit it to America's Funniest Home Videos. Bob Saget's gonna love this. <laughs> oh boy. So like that is logical. Oh, how to avoid uh how to avoid the strawman one. Think before you hit submit. Think before you turn in that paper. Think before something comes out of your mouth. Am I actually adding to this conversation? Am I understanding what they're trying to say? If I'm not understanding, what questions can I ask? It's like what we teach in school. Think before you post. It's, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? And I fucking hate that word because it's stupid. Is it necessary? And is it kind? With any conversation you have, with any paper you write, think. Is it true, helpful, necessary, or kind? I'm leaving inspiring off because inspiring has been twisted. Inspiring means like making somebody want to do something. Not everything has to be inspiring. It can also inspire you to like just break your monitor by throwing it into the wall because you're so mad about what this person said. Mm -hmm. So remember, you can inspire outrage. That's true. That's true. Are you ready for, uh, for your questions? Oh, so you think I need questions. I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I'm ready for questions. Will this be on the test? Logical fallacies undermine your credibility and not someone else's. Yes. Red herrings exist in real life and aren't always purposeful distractions. Yes. You are responsible for proving your own claims and shouldn't make other people try to do it for you. Yes. And oh my God, people, Google. Yeah, Google's right there. Oh my God. If you have a question, especially if you're thinking this might be a stupid question, go to Google. Google will not judge you. Yeah, someone else has asked that stupid question already, and you can find the answer on Google. Yeah, and man, I need to let me Google that for you to make a comeback. It's like it's like the most passive-aggressive way to prove, prove something. And then political correctness can be a type of logical fallacy. Will that be on the test? That's a... Oh, I feel like... Yes, it should be, but you must be, you would have to be braver than me to find examples. 
I mean, I think the example that I had was probably an accurate, yeah. uh, a, a fairly safe one, because we do need to talk about the fact that men can be victims of domestic domestic abuse, sexual abuse, all of that. And I feel like men are left out of the conversation, both because of toxic masculinity and because it's been kind of taken on as a women's issue. And it is predominantly a women's issue. But it's also a LGBTQ issue. It's a trans issue. It's a non-binary issue. It's a men's issue. So that's a pretty safe one to go with. So many things that are politically incorrect are also important to discuss. Yeah. All right. I talked for a long time, but I told you I was going to be extra educational this week. So, so educational. So if, if you need to take a break, now's a good time to do it. Go get a drink of water. Go to the bathroom, because obviously you can do none of this while listening to a podcast. Oh my, actually, um, I think I've gone to the bathroom while listening to every podcast I've ever listened to. So so if you have a podcast and Austin listens to it, and remember, Austin's pooping. Austin's always pooping when he listens. It's true. And some some podcasts just like are like a laxative. It's, I, I just hear the guy from Lore, and it's like, oh, man, I got to go. It's, it's voice, his voice is so smooth. You know that we, like, I mess, I, I, I do most of our Twitter account, and uh, I comment on his stuff pretty often. So. <laughs> Aaron Mankey, he is making this up, probably. Yes, absolutely. Also, Lore is brilliant, and if you don't listen to it, you should. Well, are you ready for my topic? Because I'm also going to be educational. What the fuck is happening? I know. It's like we're meeting the brief of our podcast. Well, it's like we spent several weeks there hitting things really heavily, like that were heavy, heavy topics. And like last week, I went with probably the squeakiest, cleanest person in, the, in history other than like Mr. Rogers. And then and I talked week, about fire. <laughs> yeah. Which he does a lot, guys. Like, as, like send help. It's like, at least I'm not starting them anymore. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to talk to you about your sleepwalking and sleep arson. Oh, no. Is that what happened to the house down the street? In fairness, they deserved it. Yeah. They were not meeting HOA standards. Oh, my God. They had three types of non-native grass. That is not allowable. And and two lawn gnomes. You are allowed a max of one lawn gnome. We have three right now. I know. We don't have an HOA and we would uh, not agree to it. Oh, fun fact. If your neighborhood goes to HOA while you already live there and you have not signed anything saying if they create an HOA in the future, you'll join it, you cannot be obligated to join it. And if you refuse, that means any of your neighbors can refuse, even new ones. Wow, such good information. So anyway, I got this idea because I saw this online video about the most controversial episode of Peppa Pig. Oh, no. And I thought, oh, what the fuck could be controversial about Peppa Pig? Other than it driving parents absolutely bonkers almost to a Caillou level? Yeah. So it's like, okay, what happened? What happened? So I had to watch this. You watched Peppa Pig? No, I watched the video about why it was controversial. Okay. Well, it turns out the episode got banned in Australia because Peppa Pig meets a spider, becomes friends with a spider, and talks about all how spiders are your friends and you should be nice to spiders. Okay. Now, this was true in England. Very not true in Australia. Because there are dangerous spiders in Australia that can kill you. I talked about this when when we did the Australia Day episode, how they've got like all these kinds of poisonous spiders. Well, America has, I think, three. Yeah. They've got lots of poisonous spiders, ones that can be fatal, and... A big part of, like, you know, they are just part of living there. And they didn't want kids to think it's okay to go up and touch spiders. Yeah. So it got banned in Australia. And it's like, well, I want to learn more about spiders in Australia. Because as an American, we get to hear all about, like, literally all we learn about Australia are all of the dangerous animals that are in Australia. And kookaburras, which I don't think are dangerous, but... Koalas are very dangerous. They actually are. They've got, like, if a koala had a knife, a koala would cut you. 
I saw this uh, Facebook post that was like, koala bear fingerprints and human fingerprints are almost indistinguishable and this has caused problems at crime scenes. And her response was, in what circumstance are there koala bear fingerprints at crime scenes? It's because they're they're really scary. Yeah. Like you see those videos of them like calling up people after the fires. That's not normal behavior. They are severely injured. <laughs> because this is all we learn about. We think, oh my God, Australia, there's all these dangerous animals. How do they do it? And we bring it up all the time because we're Americans. We never actually bother to learn anything. So I'm going to be very clear and upfront about this. Yes, Australia does have a large number of deadly venomous spiders, but they are not a gigantic looming threat. People live with them incredibly easily. Uh, more people die of bee sting allergies in Australia than they do of spider bites, venomous snake bites, and crocodile attacks. So these are very rare occurrences. Like, it's it doesn't happen. I didn't think about there being crocodiles in Australia. I mean, it makes yeah. sense that there are, but, like, because they're here. You don't think about animals that are here also being in Australia. Are they, you probably don't know. Like, I was like, are they native or were they introduced? But I don't think it matters, I guess, because yeah. they're there. But because there are these dangerous spiders out there and they can be in your house or your yard, it is important to educate people about them. And it's kind of like how we have fire drills here or tornado drills. It's like, it's an educational thing. It, that way you know about this so you can be safe. On the rare chance that actually something does happen. Yeah. I, I worked at a school that tried to introduce a fire, uh, a tornado drill. Uh, I was in a place where there aren't many tornadoes, but they decided they needed to do it. And I'm the only Midwesterner there. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me help with this. And they didn't let me help with it. And the plan they came up with would have killed everybody. Okay. Everybody go outside and hold up metal objects to track the lightning to you. No, it was sit in the bottom floor hallway, which is good. Except on either end of the hallway were windows. Oh yeah, this is just gonna that's be, a wind tunnel. It's going to be like a big old straw sucking children out into the air. And they also didn't know things like they need to have their heads covered, and they're like sit in the cubbies. I'm like, okay, that'll fit like twenty kids. I was like, send them into the kitchen, which has no windows. And they're like, well, there are knives in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's also completely guarded, and teachers can go and pull the knives down. Mm -hmm. Like. And, it's like, and, and it's if like, the tornado gets them in there, the knives are the least of your worries. Yeah, they'll be fine. No, and you know what? Uh, the, you know those big old windows. You know what shards of glass basically are. Yeah. So anyway, back on topic, red herring. So rather than just being blindly afraid of Australian spiders, I wanted to learn more about them and what you're supposed to do if you encounter them. There are two thousand-ish species of spiders in Australia, and so I'm only going to talk about three. Okay. First is the Sydney funnel web spider. Is that the one we see the pictures of that have like just webs that look like snow? No. Okay. This is uh, the scientific name is the Atrax robustus. It is a dark colored, smooth, glossy spider. Uh, they range anywhere from 0.5 inches to 2 inches normally. The largest one ever recorded was 4 inches. Whoa. Males are normally smaller than females, but the males have the more dangerous venom. Whoa, I don't like any of this. I don't like spiders. Yep. As the name implies, it lives in Sydney and the surrounding area. In nature, it prefers to live under logs and in foliage and likes to be in dark places. So when it gets into your house, it usually gets under something or in shoes. Like that episode of Drunk History you were watching earlier where he was talking about how he found a black widow in his shoe. So the other guy's reaction was to reach into his shoe to yep. see if there was one. Don't look for spiders that way. Okay. So they use their web to make a silk-lined burrow with trip lines radiating out from the entrance. So it kind of looks like a Y or like a funnel, hence the funnel web. They basically wait for something to walk across it and vibrate the strings so they run out and 
grab it. Uh, they eat insects, lizards, and frogs. I don't like it. I don't like this. It might be the most venomous spider to humans. Uh, the Guinness Book of World Records has awarded it both to the, the Sydney funnelweb spider and the Brazilian wandering spider. And it's just fluctuated back and forth between the two, so it could be either. So just avoid both. Avoid both. But I mean, the one that the Brazilian wandering spiders in Brazil, so we don't have to talk about with Australian spiders. Although if you're in Brazil and you see a spider, just walk away. Maybe, oh, it might have wandered to, it might wander there from Brazil. It does wander. So It's true. Across oceans. No, this is, this is the terrifying part. Great. They have a very powerful bite that is strong enough that it can go through finger and toenails. Oh no, I do not like this. There is a recorded case of a small child dying from within 15 minutes of being bitten by one of these spiders. They don't like this at all. But in most cases, it takes an hour for symptoms to even begin to appear after a bite, if they even begin to appear at all. Most of the time, it's just swelling and pain around the site that radiates up from wherever it bit you. But you should probably still seek medical attention. Yep. So this sounds scary, right? Yeah, I don't like it. Well, in 1981, an anti-venom was developed, and there have been zero fatalities from these spider bites since. Wow, okay. Yep. And this spider is very easy to see and very easy to avoid. It will not chase you. It doesn't go particularly after people. It just basically will get startled and be territorial and bite you in defense. It is a scared animal lashing out. Yeah, that's most animals. Like most yep. animals have no desire to attack humans. So children are taught to identify it uh, based on its web and its appearance. And they are told not to touch it and go get an adult if they see one. Yeah, kind of like we are in the States. We're taught to identify black widows brown recluses and his wolf spider is that the other one i don't know but it's yeah there's like they recognize it and because it can get into shoes uh they are taught to always shake out their shoes before they put them on okay these seem logical smart things yeah. to do and it doesn't sound scary the way they do it. it's like just walk away and go get a grown-up now this part is actually pretty cool because they need the spider's venom to make the anti-venom uh there is a program that to produce to get spiders like so they can milk them for their venom uh-huh and Australian Reptile Park has a drop-off program for captured Sydney funnelweb spiders and encourage people not to kill them, but to, like, basically shoo them into Tupperware containers, punch little holes in them, and drop them off at several drop sites so they can put them into their breeding program to get spiders so they have enough venom to make the anti-venom. Punch holes in the Tupperware, not the spiders. Yep, it takes, a, it takes approximately 70 spiders being milked to produce enough anti-venom for a single dose. And sometimes it can require several doses. I think the record was 15 for a spider oh. bite. They were actually running low and they encouraged people to, like, instead of killing them, just capture them and bring them in so they can produce anti-venom so that people who do get bitten will have treatment. And it has been wildly successful. And it's enough to keep the anti-venom supplies high enough, enough so that you know people have enough of it. That also kind of shows, like, a communal yep. existence for humans in Australia, which is... I could kill this. This would be the most convenient thing for me to do. But apparently enough people are saying, no, I can t I'll take a little bit of time out of my day to go drop this off. Yeah. With most of what I was reading is Australia has a very kind of like, you leave me alone, alone I'll leave you alone. It's like, just kind of like, let bygones be bygones. Like, you're just an animal. Do your thing. At, at most, they just kind of like, put take them outside. They mm -hmm. don't, they're not going to just go ahead and squish all the animals. See, and my, my thing with any bugs, I'm like, outside is your territory. Inside, I kill you. Also, it's worth noting that not every bite requires anti-venom. In fact, most don't. So, but they still recommend you go to the hospital anyway. Yeah, you should, like, if you've been stung or bitten by something that you think might potentially be a problem, going to the doctor is a good idea. 
Otherwise, if you're like me and you get stung by a scorpion, you'll develop a high, uh, hard shell around the area where you got stung, and then you develop scorpion powers. Yeah, it's why she pinches so well. That was just her fingers. All right, so next we're going to talk about the redback spiders. They're the Latrodectus hasayeti, uh, sometimes called the Australian black widow, because they, lo- they look almost exactly like a black widow spider. But instead of the red hourglass, they've just kind of got a red, like, back. Okay. Hence the redback spider. Yep, they've got long legs, spherical black body, and red markings on their back. They are usually around half an inch long, so they're not very big. I wasn't just randomly saying hello, Draco came over and bopped me. Yep. Uh, The males are also much smaller than the females and not considered dangerous. That's like really common in the animal world, especially in insects, that females are larger than males. Yeah, that's pretty true. Like, that's almost universally true. I think except for like mammals are the only ones where that's not always the case. Huh. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about those spiders that like shoot eggs out of their, not spiders, uh, frogs that like shoot eggs out of their backs. The Suriname toads? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're so weird. So yeah, they are found all over Australia, New Zealand, and parts of Southeast Asia. Their web is just an irregular looking tangle, and they mostly eat insects and on occasion small lizards. Uh, and although it is less deadly venomous than the uh, Sydney funnel web spider, it is responsible for more numerous severe bites. In 2017, 250 people received bites that required antivenom, or roughly one one hundred thousandth of Australia's population. Still, still seems like a lot. Um, also, it's worth noting that in 2017, all snake bites combined only had uh, 500 cases that required antivenom. In Australia? Or in Australia. Okay. So, again, these are not a lot of cases. These are, like, very rare situations in which there's, like, people are hospitalized or injured by these animals. Is it correct to call insects animals? Yeah. They're, they're part of the animal kingdom. Huh. Kingdom animalia. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's just, you don't really think of them as being, like, animals. While we're talking about treatment, in 1893, a severe spider bite was treated with strychnine and cocaine. (laughs) And according to the doctors, he was greatly improved afterwards. I mean... The treatment was less successful with snake bites that they treated that way. I I feel like strychnine has come up as a treatment in several things we've talked about. Yeah, those um those mar- that marathon runner was using it as a performance enhancing drug. We should look into strychnine at some point and just because like I wonder if it's in anything anymore. Yeah. And also, oh oh hi Draco. There was a hit country song in 1973 by Slim Newton called "There's a Red Back on My Toilet Seat." <laughs> It won Australia's first country music award. I listened to this song. It is like a very 1970s country song and lots of plays on words. Is Keith Urban Australian? I don't know. Like, I mean, I I know Nicole Kidman is, but I feel like Keith Urban also is. And they're they're married, I think. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. Man. Yeah, uh, there has been an anti-venom for this spider bite since 1951. And there has only been one death. And it was in 1979 was the last death they had for this, these spider bites. And it was from, it was from someone who delayed seeking treatment. Yeah, getting treatment quickly for most things is a good idea. Yeah. So, and education for this is about the same. You know, if you see one, don't touch it, go get an adult. But there is no capture program for this. They recommend simply like putting them into a container and taking them somewhere off away from where people are and just dropping them off because they don't really move around much. They generally stay in the same, same place. Or drop a phone book on them. Or you don't want to kill them. They eat lots of mosquitoes and flies and are good for the environment. I definitely did that to the world's biggest house centipede once. The first thing I did was spray it with hairspray. And 
All that did was slow it down and its legs started sticking together. So I dropped a phone book on it. All right. And next I'm going to talk about the Huntsman spider. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are very big spiders. No, thank you. On average, they have a seven inch leg span. No, thank you. Uh, they are big, brown and black and very hairy like tarantulas. Mm-mm. But despite their size, they are mostly harmless. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what Douglas Adam wa- Adams wants yeah. us to believe about the earth. Uh, their bite can be painful, but the venom isn't particularly harmful, and they are more likely to flee from people than to be defensive. So they just want to, like, be left alone and eat bugs. It's kind of like daddy long legs, isn't it? Like, yeah. they're not, they're, aren't they, like, super venomous, but they really can't oh, reach that's you? A, that's a or myth. that's a myth? That's a myth. They can bite you, they just don't, and they're not particularly venomous. And they're also not spiders. However, they're not... The reason they are dangerous is because there's lots of cases of them crawling out of like a dashboard over behind a visor in a car and causing car accidents by scaring the driver. This is actually something I've talked to Austin about probably too many times is how many one car accidents do you think are caused by bugs but we'll never know because the person's dead. Yeah, there are lots of cases in Australia of huntsman spiders crawling out and scaring someone. I could never, like, I, like learning about the Australian animals makes me think I could never even visit Australia. And, of course, lots of Australians actually view them as a very good spider to have in your house because they are very great at controlling pests like mosquitoes and flies. They eat a lot of them. So they're good so to have. So do cats. Just get a fucking cat. They are generally good to have around and people just want to leave them alone. Children are advised not to touch them, but that's really about it. And the official line is, like, if you do see one, take it out of your house. Like with the other spiders, you don't want you don't want an accident to happen. They are very compliant. They're big wimps. They don't want to hurt anybody. So they just, they just want to leave you alone and eat bugs. The only book that has ever given me nightmares is Harry Potter because of the goddamn spiders. Yeah. So yeah. And of course, again, they're easy to move, but because they are so large, you sometimes have to use a fairly large container like a trash can. So in summary, don't be afraid of spiders. Just leave them alone. And if you if you have to, you just move them outside. Don't crush them. And Americans, calm down about Australia's spiders already. They're not going to hurt you. And next time you're talking to someone who's going on vacation to Australia or you meet an Australian, don't talk about the spiders. They've heard it enough. They're not going to harm anybody. The Australians or the spiders? The Australians are much more likely to harm you <laughs> than the spiders. Okay, though. So what happens if some of these spiders like in your suitcase and you bring them back to the States? Or wherever you're from. I don't know. I mean, they might accidentally introduce them, but usually there's like lots of good custom controls to prevent that. But from like happening. some of these are small. Yeah, they might not see them. Like they'll see a huntsman spider, but yep. there actually um, there was a case where some of uh, the redback spiders got into a botanical garden in I think Denmark, but they were able to take care of it. Unlike the murder hornets, which they still can't find. Yeah. Well, maybe we just need to bring in some huntsman spiders to take care of the murder hornets. Then we just got to take care of our murder hornet problem. Oh my god. And we'll have to bring in the huntsman spiders to take care of that. Then we'll have to bring in Dwight Schrute to take care of that. How do you take care of the Schrutes? Uh, you get Michael to tell him to stop. Okay. But Michael's Michael's retired. We can't get him out of retirement. He, he can't. He's not retired. Oh, he, he moved to Nashua. No, he moved to Colorado. I forgot that. I'm a bad office no, fan. No, we, we have no reason to think he's retired. He wasn't that old. He's like probably mid 40s. Like yeah. in the timeline of the show and probably in real life. I think he's, oh, he he's is, definitely in his 50s. He is such a silver fox now. Yeah. So are you ready for some spider questions? Are are they questions about spiders or is there a spider coming to talk to me? Because I've got very different answers. There's a spider is going to ask you questions. No, thank you. I'm making hand gestures. That's great for this podcast. No, thank you. All right. So questions. 
Will that nobody has died of a spider die in Australia since 1979 be on the test? Yes, but it's also a lie because we don't know for sure. Somebody out in the outback might have died of one and we just didn't know that's what killed them. Mm-hmm. Will red back on the toilet seat be on the test? Probably not. Yeah. Will the fact that huntsman sp- spiders, although even though that they are very large, are actually quite harmless be on the test? Yes, that'll be on the test, but I still won't like them. And will spider milking be on the oh, test? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Those were Australian spiders. All right. Didn't okay. someone in your family get bitten by something? My grandpa got bitten by a copperhead. Okay. It was it was down on the farm. He was opening the garage and it bit him. Uh-huh. And you just drove to the nearest hospital. It Snake bites, you, you should go to the hospital, but not every snake bite actually injects poison into you when it bites you. And this is one of those cases where it just like either didn't bite him enough or just didn't choose to inject venom into him. It was mostly startled. It was mostly startled. Yeah, you should still go if you know it's a venomous, and there's a difference between pet poisonous and venomous. I know I used poisonous a few times. If it's a venomous snake or spider, you should still go to the hospital, even if you don't think it injected venom, yeah. just to be safe. Yeah, but... and that's, again, you've also got an animal bite. It's going to have bacteria and stuff. It can get infected. You're going to go to the doctor for antibiotics, even if you're not dying from venom. However, if you antagonized someone's dog and it bit you, claim it was a stray and you don't know where the dog is because then they'll put the dog to sleep and you're a bad person. If you were antagonizing the dog. If it's a vicious dog that's been a problem, then weigh your options. Yeah. Okay. So what did you learn this week? I learned that no matter how much you tell me spiders are okay, I am still going to forever be afraid of the big ones. I'm not, like, terrified of them. I've been bitten by a spider, and, like, that made me less afraid of them. I was, like, deadly afraid when I was a kid. But there's a big-ass spider. I am going to be screaming for you for its, like, knife and its gun and its mustache and it's coming after me. Also, spiders with pinchers exist, and I fucking hate that that's true. What is something that you learned? Oh, gosh. I learned um, that I will only laugh at the word fallacy twice. Yeah, you managed it. You didn't use I kept it together. And also, like, red herrings, just intentionally doing them to, like, you know, for for the sake of arguments with you, it's actually pretty fun. We should just do that more often. Red herrings, strawmen, we should just, like, blow things way out of proportion more often. I know. It's, it'd be so much better for the podcast if we just blew everything out of proportion and went off on red herring strawmen. I mean, I feel like we do it a little bit already. Yeah, we do. We get really heated about things. Yes. I guess kind of like... It would be a fallacy for me to say, like, well, if they're all in your suitcase, you're going to cause an invasion here. Because that's, yes. that, that's a slippery slope thing. Like <laughs> yeah, you go that to, was an absolute slippery slope. like, yeah, you go to Australia, you're going to ultimately introduce invasive spider species to the United States. Which is so, it's that slippery slope right there. Yeah. However, we still ended up with murder hornets, so. Yeah. But weren't those, I don't, I remember, I've, I've heard multiple accounts of how those have been introduced. I don't know it sounds like, true. like, as I understand it, they came over in some kind of, like, shipment. Ah. And, but. <laughs> like there's been that whole thing it's like you can't introduce something in act one and not have it come back we're like oh bitches we're hitting act three right now because what we know about them is they nest or something like that and that that's when they're breeding and we need to catch them and find out where they're nesting before they are done breeding and they have not figured out where they're nesting oh dear oh so pacific northwest i mean you're already having to deal with like bigfoot and shit come on maybe bigfoot ate them all Ooh, yeah, I mean, Bigfoot is our Bi- friend. Oh my god. Okay, Bigfoot is the deus ex machina that's going to come out of the woods and save our asses from 2020. He's going to be like, he's going to have his necklace made of dead wor- murder hornets, and he's going to have a vaccine for coronavirus in one hand, and an impeachment letter for Donald Trump in the other. I don't know. So what we've learned today is vote Bigfoot Mothman 2020. Uh, I'm going to vote for, I don't know, man. Skunk Ape makes a lot of good points. Yeah, but Skunk Ape has some, like, really bad positions on how we should handle the whole, like, fracking thing. Yeah. 
So I don't want to go with him. Yeah, and, and can we both agree that Skinwalker is really just in this for skin? I mean, they've got too much skin in the game as it is. It's the sunk cost fallacy right there. It is. That, that's the only reason they're running is they've already put so much effort into it. And they keep changing into whatever, you know, they think the people want it to be. Well, you know, that's just showing growth. I don't think they're necessarily flip-flopping. Oh, what was the fallacy for that one? Um, oh, I'd have to look it back yeah. up. So, Bigfoot Mothman 2020? Bigfoot Mothman 2020. <laughs> um, as we've said, guys, make sure you do find out how to vote, where to vote. I posted a thing on our Twitter account the other day that uh, basically if you type into Google, how do I vote? They will give you all the voting information you need for your area. So if you're not registered, do it now. Um, And also if you are going to be one of the people who decides to not mail in your ballot, but you want to drop it off at your local, you know, voting location, if that's allowed where you are, fine, but please go buy some stamps, the stamps you would have used. And also, Anytime you get one of those business return mail, which is the prepaid envelopes that come with like credit card offers or from political candidates, you can mail them back empty or with a note, especially if it's a candidate that's trying to kill the post office and tell them they're a hypocrite because the post office only gets paid for business return mail if it is sent. Ooh. And make sure, um, also, if you add like a bunch of rocks to it, it'll weigh a lot and they'll get charged extra postage for it. Save the post office. Yep. The post office never did anything wrong. No, that's a lie. Everything has done something wrong. Yep. They're not Walter Mondale. Nope. They're not Walter Mondale at all. <sighs> well, um, where can people find us? Well, they can find us at Twitter at On The Test Pod, on Instagram at On The Test Pod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash On The Test Pod, and our website, On The Test Pod.com. You can also uh, tell your friends to rate, review, subscribe. You can do these things as well. Every little download helps. Every review helps. We've been stuck at nine reviews for a while, guys. And we could really just use that like boost that comes with the 10th one. But make sure it's a nice review because you don't want Maddie to sit here and cry. uh, The The world is hard enough. No, no. Look, it's like you can't see your face, but it is downtrodden and dejected. We've been stuck inside this house together for six months now. And I'm afraid she's going to snap and go postal on me. Oh, that's what they did. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, like I said, think. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? Is it kind? If it's none of those things, don't put it up there. And also make sure it's not specifically not inspirational. That'll just make her mad. Well, no, unless it's inspiring other people to listen to us, in which case go right ahead. Oh, wow. Next time you're in an argument on the the internet, don't tell people to be afraid of Australian spiders unless you're planning on sending them a box of them through the postal service because that might accidentally bite your postman anyway. You don't want to do that. Oh, oh, there is another story about the redback spiders. They were releasing a series of stamps that were Australia's deadliest creatures. Oh, that's awesome. But they had the redback spiders on these stamps and the images on the stamps were roughly the size of a real redback spider. Oh, no! And they had to discontinue them because people were being terrified that they thought they actually were seeing them in their mailbox and like jumping and screaming. Uh, and so next time, though, that you're uh, in, in an argument, avoid some logical fallacies and look for them in politicians and look for them in sources you're considering citing because you don't want to cite a source that makes you look like an idiot. No, you, you don't want to look like an idiot on the internet. You just want the other person to look like an idiot. But now you're getting to the ad hominem and the straw man. See, oh, yeah. So don't be an idiot and don't try to make someone else look like an idiot because then you look like an idiot too. And that's not how we want to do things. (laughs) And if they're an idiot, why are you arguing with them? They're an idiot. We're going to get protested by idiots like Tracy Jordan and (laughs) Denise Richards. I would love, okay, 
I don't want to actually be protested by Denise Richards, but if Denise Richards were protesting me, I would be so excited, and I'd also be very sad. It's like, I'm sorry, Denise Richards, but thank you for noticing me. (laughs) She is really pretty, I'll give you that. Yeah. And on that note, class class dismissed. dismissed.